Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 286. We have a really fun show lined up for you this week. In our warm-up segment, we've got our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week, have a fun Did You Know, a very interesting listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off segment, we're going to talk about Something that's a relatively new-ish phenomenon in the recruiting world, but team camps where colleges are bringing in entire teams and some positives and negatives uh, behind that decision. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about a movie I just saw that was called I Can, which is a softball-based movie, and we're going to kind of get into the story of that a little bit and reasons why we as a softball community need to support it. And then our action coach, coaching tip of the week, Coach John's going to talk about time management and some things that are very similar and apply from the business world to the softball world at the same time. So before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to save that additional 20% on an already very affordable and high-quality product. Also, if you're in a position where you can, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. We're talking about $5, 10 or $20 a month. Um, we've had a really good 2022 and 2023 so far. We've added several patrons. We'd like to keep that momentum up. If you're in a position where you can help us, if you see value in what we're doing, please consider becoming a patron. Again, you go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. So Don, our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bidinger and Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Mass. If you have any dental needs at all, make sure you contact the folks at Bidinger and Styles. Uh, they will take really good care of you. They are longtime supporters of this podcast, and we really do appreciate their support and hope that you can check them out if you have any dental needs in the Webster area. So our city of the week this week, Don, is Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota. We love it. That's exciting. Well, Minneapolis was a key uh, cog in our once upon a time, the crazy trip to Canada for recruiting that Coach Don and I have reminisced about with Coach Whitlock here on we the podcast. We hadn't talked about that past. in a long time. We, had, we have not talked about that, but the big plan was, um, I was still coaching in Wisconsin at the time. And Coach Whitlock had done a really good job of convincing me that going to Canada was a great way to find great players, because you all had a bunch. We had a bunch of very good players. Having developed a friendship and a, a rivalry, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, um, I knew you had a bunch of good Canadians, too. So I'm thinking, hey, this is a good idea. Scott and Don, they'll take good care of me. They'll show me the ropes, help me figure out this Canadian recruiting thing. Well, we met in Minneapolis and drove to Canada. I'm not going to tell the whole story today because we've talked about it in the past, but let's just say it was a planes, trains, and automobiles kind of thing where if it could go wrong, it did and ended up being a really fun trip, but it was totally unproductive for me from a recruiting standpoint. Because the one thing I was not really aware of in the Canadian system, which was very different at that time from the uh, American system, you know, in the American system, the nationals would be gigantic events where tons and tons of teams were competing. So you might go to a 18 and under national championship tournament in the U S 
that might have 60, 80, 100, 120 teams. Well, in Canada, it's the opposite. They start out with 120 and they keep whittling it down. So when you get to the nationals, I think it was 16 teams, maybe. Sounds about right. So let's just say it wasn't a very fruitful recruiting trip for me because when we got there, there was like nine really good players and seven of them were already going to Kennesaw State. So Minneapolis. We had no idea about any of that though, Tori. All right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. But anyhow, um, ended that week with the uh, Nationals. ASA Nationals were in Minneapolis that week. Um, And so that was kind of how that ended up being the, the cornerstone of that trip. But Minneapolis is a great city. I've been there many, many times. Took my Tennessee Tech team up there to play in the old Metrodome in an indoor tournament where we played University of Minnesota and a bunch of other really good teams. Uh, that was a very amazing experience, Be you know, cool. to play in yeah. that big giant facility. Super friendly people. I had, I had a lot of uh, success recruiting Minnesota when I was coaching at Wisconsin. Parkside had, uh, you know, a couple of really great kids that, that uh, were Minnesota kids. And uh, Minneapolis is obviously a big softball area, and uh, you know the Twin Cities is uh, just a big sports area too. So I want to say congratulations to the Minneapolis for being the city of the week. Obviously, the people there did a good job of spreading the word and getting friends and relatives and people like that to give the podcast a try. And that's all we ask you to do is find somebody in your world that's a fast-pitch person that is not listening yet, get them to give the everything fast pitch or coach prep a try. And I'm confident that if they listen once, they'll keep coming back. And so again, congratulations to Minneapolis, Minnesota. You are the city of the week. Our player of the week this week, Don, is Emma Cobble. She plays for the Velocity 14 and under travel team. She's a all around really good kid, somebody that her coach wanted nominated, coach Mark wanted to nominate her. Um, Not so much because she had that one single breakout event, as much as because of her overall contribution to the team, hardworking, dedicated kid, plays wherever they need her to play, fills whatever role. Um, When she's not in the game, she's the first one to grab the mask and take that pitcher down to the bullpen and warm her up to get her ready to go in. Just a a coach's dream is the best way to say it. You know, the kind of kid that every coach wants to have on their team. And uh, Coach Mark wanted to make sure that she got some recognition for that. You know, again, we talk about it all the time. a good way to do it. Yeah, We talk about it all the time, that sometimes you have that one amazing event you know, you hit your first ever home run, you know, pitch a no hitter, whatever it is. And we want to recognize those things too. But we also want to make sure that a player like Emma, who is grinding it out, working really hard, even though they haven't had that one big single outstanding ESPN type moment yet, that the reason we want to also be encouraging them and, and recognizing them is that if they keep doing what they're doing, the opportunity to have that big moment just continues to increase. And to me, that's one of the things about our game. And we talk a lot about preparation and training and all these different things. But the one thing that I think is universally true is that softball is, and fast pitch softball is a game that you cannot be successful if you do not work hard at it. The amazing athlete just doesn't have the opportunity to just rise above other people just because they're an amazing athlete. If they haven't put in some time, haven't put in some work, haven't developed their skills, all that amazing athleticism doesn't do anything for them because the skills have to be there. So sure. for somebody like Emma, you know, to keep grinding, keep working hard, even though you know she might not have had that ESPN top ten moment just yet, is a really exciting thing. It's around and, the corner, and yep. if she keeps grinding the way she is, I think that it's on the on the horizon. So congratulations, Emma Cobble, you are the fast pitch prep player of the week. Now let's talk about our equipment tip of the week: the Square Cuts training disc. Corey, the discs are great. We use them, you know, every week here at the batting cage. And it's just a, a fun, different training tool that most of the time, unless they've been here or somebody they know 
um, has been in here and, and purchased some that they haven't seen them. An exciting tool that, you know, most people need, but not very many have yet. Right. Well, one of the things that motivated us when we came up with the idea for the square cuts was something that a player could use on her own that does not require a coach kind of, you know, sitting there on a bucket, looking over her shoulder, you know, giving you feedback all the time. That it's something that just by the way that it's designed and the way that you can use it is going to tell you something about every swing that you take. And to me, that's the amazing benefit of what we came up with with the square cuts training discs. And so every player needs that extra feedback. Every player, and I don't care how amazing you are, I don't care how much success you've had, there's things about your swing, things about the way you're hitting the ball that can be improved. And there's no way to improve that just by accident. And so, you know, we talked about in our player of the week thing about working hard and, and being dedicated and all that stuff. Well, you know, the square cuts training disc is going to help a player who wants to work on her game on her own way more than another bucket of balls or another fancy tee or anything like that is going to. So it's a very affordable, very usable tool. It's going to make a big difference. Um, and we want everybody to have a set. You know, Obviously, players need them for their home training. And coaches, you need a set so that you've got one more drill that you can set up at practice. Again, where you don't have to Keep be so... variety. And yep. where you don't have to be you know, right there On offering of feedback. You know, yep. the, the thing that I think is something I see all the time in the kids I work with in lessons is that they are so close to doing things really well you know that there's some you know that there's always these tiny little adjustments that are going to be the next thing that's going to take them to that next step and you know for a lot of kids they want to hit the ball harder they want to hit the ball further they want to get more home runs they want to get more extra base hits and where the square cuts training disc i think is really beneficial is the reason that some players hit a lazy fly ball versus that screaming line drive home run is 10% of the energy that they're creating doesn't get into the ball. You know, they're sliding off just enough. They're just off square just enough that it feels like they're hitting it good. And it sounds like they're hitting it good with a ball on a tee. Right, but just that little bit of energy is being lost. And what the square cuts training disc is going to do, it's going to tell you for sure whether you're hitting it truly square and if all the energy you're creating is really going into the ball or not. And so that's, to me... A huge payoff. And so again, they're very affordable, $49.95 a dozen. You go to the fastpitchprep.com website, click on the order button. We'll get them sent out to you right away. Um, and again, I think it's something that every player should have. If you're looking for something that's going to give you that little bit of extra boost, that little bit of extra edge, I think this is the tool you need to have. They're very durable. And again, something that Coach Don and I are really proud of. And we want everybody to have a set. So again, the fastpitchprep.com website, go ahead and get them ordered up. So, Don, our listener question this week is going to stay anonymous, but the topic for this question, while it's very specific to their situation, I think applies to an awful lot of players that are trying to you know, balance out what's going on between uh, what they're doing with their teams, what they're doing with their training, what they're trying to do to make sure that they're getting to be the very best player they can. And this player is playing in, in her middle school season right now and is basically the number two pitcher. Right. In that situation, is not getting very many opportunities to pitch, but the way that their schedule has fallen and the way that their instructor's schedule works, because she's on the team, she's not playing in games, but she's also having to miss an awful lot of her training time, an awful lot of her lessons, because the game schedule, the team schedule interferes with the times that her instructor actually has available to work with her. And so basically... You know, they're trying to figure out what's the best way to handle this situation where she really wants to pitch. 
She wants to become a better pitcher because she's on the team and the conflicts that the team schedule has with her, her potential training schedule. She's not pitching in games and she's also not getting to go to lessons and how to handle that. What's the best way to approach it? Is it one of those things where do we stop playing on the middle school team so we can get back into the routine of our lessons or what's the best way to manage it? That's kind of a tough call there, Tori. I know, uh, at least here, if it's Georgia, the middle school season isn't quite that long. So it's not going to be too much of your year that's going to be in conflict like that. It's, I mean, it's just tough because we train and we work so hard uh, for that chance to play in games. And if we're not getting that, that payback, that's, that makes it tough. I'd love for them to know that often what ends up happening is that player that's right there on the edge ready and waiting to get in there can be a huge difference maker for a team. So, you know, our time might be just around the corner um, when we can really contribute to the success of the group, but we got to be in a good frame of mind for that. We can't be worried or distracted, you know, with these other things that are going to come up for sure. And I understand the scheduling issues and things like that, but maybe we need to get creative with that, that part of it somehow with our instructor. And I'm sure they'll do the best they can to help out as well. But I can definitely feel for him because we all want to play. We all want to be in there. Hopefully the coach is being uh, encouraging, you know, in, in terms of, hey, you know, you're going to be a big part of what we do and need for you to you know, be there and be ready right. type of thing. But, uh, yeah, it can be tricky to navigate the timing and make it all make sense. Right. Well, one of the things, and, and I've had this discussion with, with a whole bunch of people here in the last six weeks or so, and I think... A big part of this conversation, a big reason for this discussion, is that we have this, am I getting my money's worth mentality out of it? And and whether the money's worth thing is actually investing dollars and cents, or it's just my time, or it's the time that I'm not getting to spend working on something else, the investment, the payoff, always seems to be tied to playing time. And now, I think that there's several layers to this. Number one is, you know, if we're talking about middle school softball, why the number one pitcher is pitching all the time and the number two pitcher is hardly pitching at all is something that I would want to discuss yeah. with the coach because you know, as we've been talking now this last several weeks, one of the biggest weaknesses in our game right now is that we don't have enough pitching. So for any coach to be doing something that might be discouraging a potential pitcher, I think is a really bad idea. I know everybody wants to win, and and if win at all costs kind of attitude from a coaching perspective, then my number one pitcher is going to pitch every game she can. And if that means I'm not developing, I guess Until it's no more. Right. But now, unfortunately, I I never would think of that at the middle school level. I mean, does anybody remember who won the middle school league championship last year? I know we'll see some posts, and people will be really proud and really excited that their daughter's eighth grade year, they won the middle school tournament or whatever it is. But in the grand scheme of things, winning at the middle school level should be secondary to development. So for this you know, particular situation, you know, I think it's you know, unfortunate that the coach is not doing more to help develop both players. But from a very personal perspective for this family, if the season's almost done, ride it out. If yeah. we've got a little bit of game, you know, a few little weeks left. Let's go ahead and ride it out, and then we'll get back into the swing of things. Because as you said, that couple of weeks probably isn't going to make a huge difference. If it's not a Georgia situation, and we've just started, or we're only halfway through the season, we've got a month or six weeks or eight weeks of season left. You know, then the idea of is the trade-off of not getting to train for that period of time detrimental, more detrimental than the benefit. Yeah. One thing that again about the school ball setting. 
that I think sometimes we lose track of. Some of the payoff obviously is measured in whether or not we're playing in the games. But the other thing about the school ball setting is typically you're practicing on a much more regular basis than you are in the travel ball world. So maybe there is some benefit in being at practice every day, you know, working on some of the other skills. You know, maybe she's not getting to pitch as much as she wants to in the games, but she might be getting some benefit out of being at practice and working on other things too. So I guess it's, you know, there, there's a lot of layers to this and a lot some of different places take, that yeah. uh, there might be some value that's not as clearly evident as, well, she doesn't get to pitch as in the innings. Games, yeah. Right? She doesn't get to get any, any uh, innings on, on the field during game. Trying to balance that all out. I'm never going to be the one to say, well, just quit the team. Because to me, that's something that we've made way too easy and way too frequent of a, of a thing. I think that the reason that the transfer portal has thousands of kids in it is because thousands of kids coming up through the ranks, as soon as they don't get what they want on one team, they switch teams. Sure. And if they don't like that team, then they switch teams. You can't and, have it. And honestly, in the travel ball world too, the, you know, the coaches, if I don't get what I want in one organization, I'm going to join another one. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just kind of the, what have you done for me lately mentality, which uh, I'm not a fan of. And so I'm trying to stem the tide of that a little bit. If we've signed up for the team, unless it's really a long-term detrimental situation, I would say stick with it, finish it out, and then, you know, make a choice, you know, moving forward. This girl's an eighth grader. So next year when they go to the high school, maybe it'll be a little bit of a different environment. Maybe uh, there'll be a few more opportunities on game day. But again, the school ball setting to me is important because there's you know the the opportunity to be on the field that much more often that much more consistently than you're de- you know, definitely going to be with the travel ball teams you know, i think there's some benefit in that no tori i like what you're saying and i think that we are learning things that we wouldn't learn otherwise right if we were just uh you know doing our our lessons and and not participating but yeah there's there's things to learn whether it's about people whether it's about hitters tendencies if you're watching and you're going to learn something that's going to be helpful down the road for right. sure when i think if, if you uh, adopt that attitude you know the uh, don mckinley um <laughs> silver lining attitude um i think you can definitely still get something really positive out of being on the team so short term ride it out long term i think you've got a little bit you know bigger discussion but make sure you're weighing in all the potential positives and negatives before you make a choice so don cool. got a little bit out of order today but uh, we'll fix that right now with uh, did you know We've talked a couple of times about the sport of volleyball, right. and volleyball has raised the bar. Softball's got some work to do okay. at the college level. So we talked about Nebraska hosting the uh, volleyball match in their football stadium with 90,000. Well, Wisconsin and Marquette played at Marquette a couple of weeks ago, and they set the indoor record for a volleyball match ever with almost 20,000 people at an indoor event. Now, they played in the big arena where the Milwaukee Bucks Okay, yeah. And so I think what's happening is volleyball is obviously a very popular sport, something that I've always enjoyed watching myself. The volleyball coaches, the volleyball programs have decided that they're going to do some things by stretching themselves, playing in some different venues, pushing the ball up the hill a little bit, and I think what they're kind of doing is throwing the gauntlet down at our co- college softball program and saying, hey, people, you got to start thinking outside the box a little so bit. Bring, Let's start to think about some things to do. Because the thing that these two volleyball events have proven to me and, and why I think softball's got some work to do, there are not 90,000 rabid volleyball fans in the state of Nebraska, period. Nobody can convince me of that, that there's not 90,000 people that are dying to go to a Nebraska volleyball match. But because they created this gigantic event, the all those and hype, yeah, and all those yeah. people kind of on the edge, maybe kind of interested, maybe might sort of be about. curious about it. 
They hear about this big giant event. Like, oh my gosh, we got to go check this out. And and out of that group, I want to be the one to miss it, right? And out of that group, you find some more fans. You get some more supporters. You maybe get one or two more people that are going to get behind a program someplace. Yeah. Are there twenty thousand people in Milwaukee that are rabid volleyball fans that absolutely had to see you know Wisconsin play Marquette? I mean, it's two really good programs. You know, they have a lot of you know rivalries across the board. But to me, I think it's the same thing. You, know, you start advertising, hey, we got this big event. Let's set a record. Let's do something amazing. And again, all those on the fence people that aren't quite sure might, you know, kind of sort of maybe think it'd be fun, they come out. Well, softball, we need to start to do more of that because I think we know the hardcore people that love our sport, they're going to these games. You know, when you go to a you know, game at uh, Georgia or Florida or you know, the crowds are nice. You know, but if you go two or three times, you start to notice something. About 85 or 90% of the people that are there are the same people every time. Right. And then there's this travel team came to be the dugout buddies. You know, these two or three travel ball teams came to watch the game to cheer for, you know, somebody that used to play in their organization, those kinds of things. Thing that we have to raise the bar on is reaching that. I'm not quite sure I'm a fan fan. That, nah, I'm not sure. So more of the big events. I know last year... Take Oklahoma. a bu- take a buddy, take a family yeah. with you. Well, and last year Oklahoma and Texas kind of did this when they played the first game of their series at Hall of Fame Stadium because obviously the uh, seating Bigger is venue. so much better. And they set a regular season attendance record for a game by doing that one time. Well, now I think the challenge is we need to keep doing that more and more, and we need to start to think about the crazy idea. I know nobody loves the idea of temporary fences and you know a makeshift field and fitting a softball field into a baseball stadium kind of setting. But maybe we need to start to look at the idea of somebody, you know, maybe it is Oklahoma, maybe it is, you know, some other school that's really got a lot of clout and a lot of pull that instead of Hall of Fame Stadium and trying to get 9,000 people, let's think about playing someplace where we can get 50 or 60 or 70,000. Sure. And see if we can't just do something crazy like that. Because to me... You know, the idea that uh, 90,000 people went to Lincoln, Nebraska to watch a volleyball match tells me that it can be done if, if, if they you know, had the right two teams playing in a major league stadium and they could figure out a way to make that major league stadium, you know, as applicable as possible for a college softball game that you might be able to do something crazy there too. So, so volleyball is raising the bar. And I think the people who are listening to this podcast if there was anything within reason, within a couple of hours, think of outside a drive, the box a little. Yeah. yeah. If you know somebody in Minneapolis, Minnesota, found out that you know that they were playing a game at the at the Twins Field, and the goal was to beat the all-time record of attendance for a female sports event, that an awful lot of people would be interested in jumping on board with that. I'd and get so, in. you know, if yeah. our city of the week could do it, you know, maybe then uh, you know there's other places that could do the same kind of things as well. And again, volleyball, congratulations. Y'all are doing a great job of, of promoting the heck out of your sport. Hopefully softball can catch the bug. Cool. Good topic. All right. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's uh, Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here. I hope you guys are having an amazing day. I just did one of my live interviews on my Instagram with Ashley Prangy. And if you, for those of you that don't know Ashley, she is a former... Bama softball player, softball alum. Um, she also played at Ohio, Ohio State. She's currently a professional uh, softball player. And we have 
so much to learn from her is <laughs> what I'm getting to. Uh, she's had an, a, an incredible journey with lots of ups and downs. And I just wanted to share with you guys a few things that I took away from our conversation, from our interview, and some things that really stuck out to me that you guys can take away as well. So one of those things was she shared that her confidence comes from conversations and communication that she had with her coaches and her teammates. Um, she talked about like being really purposeful and intentional about having those connections and reaching out and getting out of her comfort zone so that she could create that confidence there, which I thought was really um, I get an interesting way of looking at building confidence because those things are so important, especially when you're on a team and on the field and you're, you feel like you're on the same page with both coaches and your teammates. Another way that she felt like her confidence was created while she was playing was she called herself the rep queen. And you could see actually like her teammates were on there and like, yes, like rep queen. So they could vouch for her on that. And I love that Ashley just shared that how the way that she gets reps in was something that was fun. It didn't always have to be like a chore or something she had to do. It was something that she could be like something that she could really be grateful for to like have the have the opportunity to do those things and just making it a lot of fun with her teammates. She said that some of her favorite memories are getting those reps in with her teammates under the lights, just get putting in that work and that created a lot of confidence for her. Um, something else that she shared, we just talked about her faith um, and how that played a part in her journey as a as an athlete, as a softball player, as a person and um, something that she shared with us was my purpose is always bigger than myself. And that's something she had to constantly remind herself and go back to, um, especially when she was starting to get frustrated and it, and then realized it was something like that was a little bit maybe selfish and had to go back to like the reason that she's where she's at is because it's so much bigger than just herself. One of the things that she talked about and really was incredibly grateful for was her time at Alabama and the culture that they have there. And she really emphasized surrounding herself that we should surround ourselves with people who are going to love us no matter what. And she even like a quote from her in this interview is surround yourself with people who are going to love you. Even if you go O for four or four for four. So I I love how real Ashley is. She was so transparent and shared, you know, not only the the wins and the successes and the great things about her career thus far, but also the lows and the struggles and the frustrations and how she's been able to overcome that and how she's been able to see that in a different perspective now. So I can't wait for you to watch this. Um, if you want to dig in uh, or just want to hear the whole conversation, the whole interview. Go to my Instagram at Page Tons. You can go watch the the replay of that interview. Um, follow, go follow Ashley along with her journey as well. She's um, such an inspiration, and I can't wait to watch her just continue to thrive and make an impact on the game. So go watch those. It's like that's why I do them because I want you guys to get insight from the players and the coaches and the families that have been there and in your shoes before so that you can learn and grow and hopefully have a little less heartache along the way. So go get inspired by those and I will talk to you soon.
And I know I say it every week, folks, but Paige is a rock star. We need to get on board with her program. She's doing an amazing job. Please check out her website, pagetons.com. She's got a lot of free stuff, but she's also got some programs that you sign up for that are really outstanding, and we want to promote those as much as we can. So our lead-off segment, Don, is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, spirit wear, reach out to the folks at Elite. They'll be happy to hook you up, and they're happy to ship anywhere in the country. A topic came up, Don, something that's a relatively new-ish idea, new-ish phenomenon. The last 10 years or so, they've become a really big deal, is the idea of a team camp. So a college program and many different college programs of all different sizes and relative importance are doing these now. And basically the idea is they invite an entire travel ball team or several travel ball teams to come as a group. And then the entire team goes through the camp experience together. They usually play a couple of games, get some instruction, you know, maybe uh, tour the campus, all that kind of stuff. Something that's become such a big deal that I know when I see these posts, you know, for teams always looking for players, you know, the travel ball team that's looking for, you know, two more great players to round out our amazing roster. One of the things that keeps always being discussed is we're playing in these three big showcases and we've got these five college camps lined up. So obviously the idea that these college camps are an important thing has gained a lot of momentum and a lot of clout, I think, in the, in the travel ball world. But I think that there's some pluses and minuses to this. I want us to talk about it as a topic today, because I think for all the good things that could be coming from it, there's also some other things that might not be quite as positive. No, I think it sounds interesting, Tori. And I know uh, from the college side, it's kind of neat to have a position player from each position. So you can do a lot more things in regards to the instruction part of it. And if it's a, a really talented group that we might be recruiting, what a great environment for them to be able to see a lot of things and be exposed right. to a lot, uh, both on campus and with our staff. And that could be a really important uh, part of the recruiting process too, but as well for a, an instructional piece, even if there aren't kids on the team that would not necessarily be able to plug into the, the college roster, a great way for them to learn some new things and improve their skills for sure. But again, like you said, there there could be some drawbacks if there are a couple of kids that get all the attention because they are the prospects. Right. And all the rest are kind of just there just to be there. Right. I could see that as being a, a separating situation for our team and maybe a negative, like you're saying. So, right. Well, and um, to me, I think you, you've touched on all the reasons why this is a, an interesting good topic. And bad. Yeah. yeah. So first off, let's talk about things that should be positive. Okay. It should be a great way for a team to become a better team. The build. Right. Yeah. You're you're working with high level coaches, you're around high level players, you know, you're working as a team in a team practice, team camp kind of setting. So your team should have the opportunity to get better because you participate in this camp. It's kind of fun to be with all your buddies. Right. Right. And so you should gain from that. And I think that that's what a lot of us think of when we think about the positives. Well, you know, how could there be anything negative about you know, a whole team going to a camp and working with really good coaches. You know, if you're going to, you know, some, you know, of the college programs that are doing a lot of these team camps have great coaches with great assistant coaches and, and, and players that have really 
accomplished a lot and obviously our our the facilities are fun to train right. at yeah so so all that stuff you think of it as being no, nothing but a positive but the flip side of it is and you touched on this and this is where i think it gets a little bit murkier we keep coming back to the am i getting my money's worth well you know let's say my team's going to a, a college camp at some sec school we'll just say you know an sec school well we already know that for the vast majority of travel teams their whole roster are not SEC top 25, top 10 caliber players. So as you mentioned, you already have the divide potentially between the one or two kids that that school might really be recruiting and the eight or 10 other kids that maybe have even no interest at all in going to that school. Let's say it costs $1,000 for the team to go. So if you divide that, and we'll say we have 10 players, we'll just make make the math easy. So a hundred bucks for a player to go to a camp that they really want to go to is a bargain. A hundred bucks for a player who really wants to go to a camp because they really want to go to that school. That's like, like stealing an opportunity. That's like throw that hundred dollars at it a, a thousand times over and you'd never even think twice about it. Yeah. But for the other eight or 10 kids who are either already sure they're not capable of playing at that school or don't want to go to that school for some reason or whatever it is for them. That's a hundred dollars that they see is, well, what am I getting out of this hundred dollars? I get to practice with my team a little bit. Coach is pushing me into this. Right. I'm, 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 you know, I'm getting forced to do this. The money's worth idea. You know, chances are depending upon where the camp is, you're not getting up early that morning, driving down, spending the whole day and driving home. So we're probably looking at hotel expenses. We're probably looking at, in some cases, flights, a weekend away. We're looking yeah. at a weekend away and one more weekend on the road, one more weekend that we, you know, we've got other kids that we're trying to balance and juggle and all that kind of stuff. So for the other kids on a team, the kids that might not really be interested in that program, I can see how this could be a team divider more than it is a team builder. And you know, so you know, and I hadn't really thought about some of this stuff until you know I had a discussion with somebody about this whole team camp and Basically, it started off with, well, you know, the idea of practicing with these coaches sounds like so, so much fun, but think for some of the players that don't necessarily want to go to that school or don't believe that they're you know going to be recruited by that school, how are they getting their money's worth? How are they getting their hundred bucks for the entry worth? How are they getting their couple of hundred dollars worth of, you know, expenses to go worth? You know, what, what are they getting out of it except a little bit of extra training, a little bit of extra practice, and depending upon the, the setting, you know, a, a scrimmage game or two on a college field. Right. I just think it's it's something worth talking about because I think that there's, is it really a team builder? It should be, but is it? No, I think too, Tori, that, and if we're going to try and pull a positive from it, that, you know, if I am on a team and I'm maybe not a player that's gotten a lot of attention, if I go there and if I really shine, you know, it might be a good thing as well. But again, I think we do need to be going in with our eyes wide open and, right. and kind of understand what the true game plan is. Right. Are we really trying to highlight that one player that could play there or are we trying to grow our skills as a group or is it a team building weekend? And then just like you're saying, is the cost worth the, you know, the effort that we're putting into making it all happen? Right. So, so I think here's, yeah. here's where the work needs to start being done. If you're coaching a travel team and one of your, big selling points is that you are taking your team to all these team camps. We have to first off analyze a little bit deeper than just what we think of uh, from a coach's perspective as the obvious benefits, right? To us, the obvious benefits are 
you're going to get good coaching. You're going to get more time on the field. You're going to get a chance to spend more time with your team. You're, you, you should be a better team because we do this. So that's the obvious thought that I think all coaches have when they think about something like a team camp. Like, well, of course, it's a no-brainer. How could it not be a good thing? Right. But when we dig a little bit deeper, some of the stuff we've already talked about, it might not be as good a thing or as positive a thing as we hope, or as we just kind of first blush, you know, assumed. You know, the old assume thing. If you, if you assume something, it's 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 not always going to be a good outcome for for everybody involved. And maybe do a little bit more detective work, and also do a little bit of soul searching. Here's one of the reasons why I think some of these team camps are so popular. The college coaches are doing a great job of making the travel ball coaches feel really important. They are doing a really good job of, quote-unquote, building relationships that might pay off in the future. Well, it might pay off in the future as long as you've got that amazing player on your team that that coach was going to recruit anyhow. Right. But if your only real benefit, the only real connections you're building for the future is that every year you're going to take your team to their team camp so that their assistant coaches can supplement their income. I mean, that's part right. of it too, right? Yeah. That, and that that's a relationship. That's the same kind of thing that a, a travel co- coach that's maybe not quite as savvy might be thinking, well, well, hey, if I call coach so-and-so, he, you know, he answers right away. When I text coach so-and-so, she responds right away. She'd call me right back. Well, is it because you've got those great players that she's she's trying to recruit? Or is it because she knows that you're going to come to the team camp and the individual camp and the coaches clinic every year because this perceived relationship that you're building? Yeah, that's, that's a tough call, Tori. And again, it's another event for kids to go to. And Right. But, but, if, but think the, about it, it. It could be, but it also could be something that's a big problem. That pulls us apart. Right. So yeah. let's let's say... We're going to this big team camp. It's you know somebody that's been in the College World Series. It's you know one of the top programs in the country. It's the kind of coach that everybody listens to. When they have the NFCA convention, this coach speaks every other year because they are that good at what they do. But 90% of the team knows they're not playing at that school and has no interest in going to that school. Yeah. Okay, so is it a great event? Well, not if you're going into it on, on the ride down to or ride over to or the flight over to wherever you're going thinking about, and the kids aren't thinking about this, but the parents certainly are. What are we getting out of all this? We're spending a ton of money to go to this camp and she doesn't even want to go to that school. There's no way in the world she's going to that school. If they offered her a full scholarship today, she'd say no. Right. So why am I spending hundreds or potentially thousands of dollars for my daughter to go to that team camp? And I think that the travel ball coaches need to be doing a better job of targeting and understanding and analyzing what's exactly going on and what the the real benefit of some of these events are. For an awful lot of teams, you know, they're dying to go to a team camp, so they think that it's cool if they go to a school that just was in the College World Series or won a national championship or is a top 10 program or plays in the SEC or the Big Ten because impressiveness of that is greater. Or... Should they be going to a Division II school? You know, should they be developing a, a relationship with a couple of local colleges? Should they be talking to the local NAIA coach about, or, hey, I know you don't normally do team camps, but I got four or five kids that would like to come to your school. Or the majority of your roster could attend. Right. Yeah. Is it as, as much of a add-a-baby moment for the coach to 
you know, be able to say, hey, I've got a really good relationship with the local NAIA coach and a lot of our players go there and do great? Right. Or is it more of a pump your chest out and act like you're really cool thing to say, well, I've never really sent a player to Florida or Florida State or Nebraska or Oklahoma or UCLA. But we will soon, yeah. <laughs> but Kelly, anyway, will will respond back when I text her. Right. Well, okay, but what's your point? You know, I mean, what's what's the value in that? And so, you know, to me, I think there's way more layers to this than just the obvious. Because, you know, again, like I said, when I first started you know, t- thinking about this as a topic, I'm like, well, duh, of course you should go. Because it's a big school, big program. Yeah, what, what, what's, what's, the, what's the problem? You know, going and working with these coaches, I'd pay money for that from a coach's perspective. If I could just sit and listen to what they're saying to my players, I would think it's a good thing. Right. But again, that's a whole different perspective than maybe the majority of the teams and kids on my roster. And you know, I just think it's time for us to, to throw this out there for our travel ball coaches to be considering because it's clearly become a big deal. You know, if you look on Facebook today, especially in the older age groups, for all the teams that are looking for players, they're all talking about somewhere in their their reason why you should join their team is so they're playing in these great showcases, and we're going to get you to these college coach, you know, these team. We do these team camps. Well, that's great if that's something that that player is really after, but maybe not so much. So, are they a good thing? I think they can be, but I think the coaches and the families have to do a much better job on the front end of making sure they're picking the right events that once they pick the event that they want to go to, that they understand that you know whether it really does fit the needs of the team as well as they think it does. And I guess to have a better discussion, better understanding of what it is we're really trying to get out of this. Is that a team meeting thing, Tori, or how do we figure that out? Well, I think it should be a team meeting. It should be a discussion <laughs> thing. But I think what's really happening and why this is, is a potential problem for some players in certain situations is I think travel coaches are just assuming well, of course, everybody thinks this is a great thing. It's good for all. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no way that this is a bad thing. How could anybody think that this is a bad investment? How could anybody think I'm wasting their time by doing this? I get why we have that impression on, on first blush, because I had the same thing. I was thinking the same way until I started to really think about, but what about other people? What about everybody else? Even the assistant coach that doesn't think that the coach that we're going to listen to is that great. When Coach Candrea was still coaching at Arizona, if somebody would have said, hey, you can take your team to Arizona, spend a week you know, in, in Tucson with Coach Candrea, and, and you, know, you get to sit on a bucket and listen to him teach your players, if they would have said it was $10,000 a player, I would have said, where do we sign up? Right. And I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I wouldn't have asked anybody if it was a good idea. I would have been so excited to do it that I would have been blinded to the reality that nobody on my team wants to go that far from home. Right. Nobody on my team, you know, wants to be, you know, uh, a plane flight away from mom and dad, but it's coach Candrea. He's the greatest coach ever. We all idolize him. You know, all of us that were coaching when they were rocking and rolling at Arizona, you know, he was on the, the short list of people that we would give a kidney to. So for me, it would have been an absolute no brainer. And I wouldn't have even thought about what it cost. And I wouldn't have, would have assumed that everybody else around me would have been like, Thought dang, the that's way. the greatest idea ever. Where do I sign up? And then all of a sudden you find out later on that, you know, half the team didn't even want to be there. They were complaining the whole time. The parents were frustrated because it's one more thing that costs them money that they didn't want to invest in. And we end up taking something that could be the coolest thing ever. And we turn it into the first leak in the dam that starts to lead towards a team having problems. Tearing it apart, right? We all know that, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why teams fail, but as soon as we start to have a division, you, know, you, you touched on that in your very first little you know, comment about this, 
How do you keep everybody else from being jealous of the one player who's totally the reason that you go to his camp? That's where, yeah. Right. I'm, I mean, how, how do you keep that as a positive thing? For, well, everybody loves her. Because they're going to be drawn to that player. Well, of course. Yeah. And, and for most teams, if you're going to a top 10, top 25, you know, World Series caliber type of school for a team camp, if you've got a player on your team that they're interested in, you should be really proud of that. Yeah. If you've got two, you shouldn't be losing any games. Right? I mean, so when we start to think about it that way, it's like, okay, maybe it's not as clear cut as we thought it was. But when you get there and they get all the attention. Right. And then nobody else is going to be jealous. Nobody's going to be frustrated. Everybody's going to be going like, well. They're only here to help this one person get recruited. Yeah. Yeah. I love Coach Don so much that I'm happy that I wasted my time and my money to help him get recruited. Right. Hmm. Just one more time. Here we hmm. go. And how many times are we doing that this year? Hmm. All right. So, Coach, is there something for you to think about? Because I don't think an area that has, has really been analyzed very well, and I think an awful lot of us are just doing what Coach Don and I started off doing, was assuming, like, of course it's a great idea. Well, it has potential to be a great idea, but we need to do a whole lot more work than I think some of us are doing to guarantee that the payoff is going to be there. So, Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And, Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com. And they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save that additional 10% and also help support the podcast at the same time. So Don, there's a movie out that... I've uh, talked about a little bit in the past, but it's called I Can, and it's basically a softball-based movie. It's a story of a player named Caitlin Pavey who was born basically with one arm. She has a very small left arm, but it's obviously not what most of us expect to see on a softball player. But because she's overcome so many challenges, it's an interesting story. And so we, we start off with this intro into the movie where we see this kind of classic backdrop of player who obviously has accomplished an awful lot, has a lot of trophies and accolades and awards, and you know, we see a, her list of goals that she wants to accomplish, and then we get introduced a little bit later on to the fact that she's got some challenges, you know, she's got some physical differences that make her story very, very compelling. She basically, you know, without giving the whole movie away, faces an awful lot of challenges. And the movie is, to my way of thinking, something that is important for the softball community to get behind, because the one thing that has frustrated the heck out of me for a very long time is that our sport is really not found in very many movies at all. And so we've talked about it in the past a little bit. You know, One of my favorite movies of all time, which is on... Uh, you know, Amazon Prime right now is All Stars, which is kind of a spoof of. Have you rewatched that one, Tori? Yeah, you know, I've watched that one at least twenty-five times. Right. But All Stars is kind of a spoof on how crazy softball people can be, and it's a really fun movie to watch because the softball is pretty good. 
you know, the people are so over the top that it's really funny to watch. When you're watching it, the whole time that you're watching, you go, well, I know that person. Well, yeah, that's so-and-so. Yeah, that, well, shoot, that, that might be me. That was like right? this time. But, yeah. but you watch that movie and, and you know, it's you know, super high quality. There's some big name stars and a lot of people that you know, a lot of us would recognize from TV shows and movies that are real actors and, and successful you know, Hollywood type people. So that's one movie that really does feature fast pitch softball and it does a really good job. In the past, though, We've had a couple of other instances where we kind of spoof fast pitch softball or kind of cast it in a little bit of a different light. Another one of my favorite movies of all time, Dodgeball. So we have one scene where one of the characters in the movie underhand fires a a dodgeball across the gym at like 100 miles an hour. And everybody's like shocked and amazed. And her response is, I played fast pitch for eight years. And of course, then there's some jokes and stuff that go along with it that I'm not really thinking are too appropriate for our, our listeners. listeners yeah. But so we get dodgeball is a reference to fast pitch softball. And then the one that still aggravates the heck out of me is a movie that was released about 15 years ago. And Reese Witherspoon, who is very important big actor, very yeah. big star, was in a movie called How Do You Know, which is sort of a rom-com movie you know, a little romantic comedy kind of thing and in that movie uh, reese witherspoon's character was supposedly a member of the olympic softball team okay. and they brought in uh, sue enquist to you know to train reese witherspoon and you know teach her how to look like a softball player enough that in a couple of the scenes she could actually play catch with lisa fernandez or crystal bustos and not get killed but this movie aggravates the heck out of me because one of the pivotal scenes early in the movie is Reese Witherspoon gets hurt at practice because she got distracted by her cell phone. Uh-oh, okay. While practicing with the Olympic team. So for an <laughs> awful lot of people, yeah, yeah, for an awful lot of people, you know, they're you know, supposedly learning a little bit or getting a little bit of a glimpse into the greatest softball players on the planet, the most dedicated and serious players ever. And in the scene, you've got you know, Crystal Bustos and Andre Duran and all these, you know, Olympic softball heroes. And the movie pivots with, she gets hurt because her cell phone distracts her at practice. Unfortunately, our sport has not always been portrayed in the, in the greatest light in the movies. Well, here's what I can say for sure about ICANN. It portrays softball in a very positive light. The softball action that is in the movie is fun to watch. It, it looks like legitimate, like what you would think of from a high school level team and players there's a little bit less softball in it than i wish and a lot more story but the story is important because it's a lot to do with her overcoming her original challenges and then some challenges that she faces while she's going on it's a very strongly faith-based movie so there's a lot of messaging about the role of your faith in life and and things that happen and how you overcome those things and a lot of that which I think is very inspiring. So I'm not going to lie, it's not winning any Academy Awards. A couple of the actors that I recognize from being in a couple of other faith-based movies that I've watched, and you know, faith-based sports movies, you know, the, the, the Kendrick brothers here in Georgia did you know, Facing the Giants and Overcomer and a few other movies where sports were the vehicle for the, the message of faith and, and belief in God and all that stuff. But bottom line to the whole thing was this movie is about softball people, It's telling a softball story. It's telling it in a very positive, faith-based message to be taken away from it 
way that I think we need to get the fast pitch community out there to support this movie. And here's why I'm making this statement today. When I was at the theater, I was one of four people. Now I went, you know, middle of the day, Saturday afternoon, because I didn't, that just fit my schedule. So it's, it's out in the theaters now, but it's in very limited release. Um, there's only one movie theater close to me, not too far from where I live that offered it. So of course I, you know, hopped in the truck and and ran over to see it on the opening weekend. I'm going to go back and see it again. And partly because I really enjoyed it, but also because I want to support it. I want people to get behind this because I think that it's important that the softball community support their own. And we talk about doing this in a lot of other areas. And this is one of those weird kind of things because we're basically asking you to support something that's going to make somebody else money. But I'm also thinking that if we support this, we might start to see some more more, movies that, you know, at least, you know, have our sport as something other than the punchline to a joke. You know, that, that don't make fun of it, that don't make fun of the, the people that are involved with it. A couple of the characters are a little over the top, a little bit out there, but it's just a, a good solid movie and something I think people should really be supporting. And so do a little bit of searching because I know there's some parts of the country that the movie's not even in release yet. Um, it's here in the state of Georgia. Um, and I think, you know, part of the uh, connection was the Kendrick brothers and, and their success with, you know, facing the giants and some of those other movies that people here in, in, in our area, we're, we're interested in, in, in the movie, but I want people to get out and see it. I want us to support it when it gets out there on the so Netflix you, so and, and prime video and those kinds of things yeah, and, that, that we, yeah. that we support it. Just like we were talking about earlier, if more people will go to support big events, we'll get more big events. If more people will support this movie, I think we'll get more movies. Like the television viewership. Right. Yeah. We get and, more softball. Yeah, and, and, and if, if yeah. we support it, more will come. And so, again, the movie's called I Can. Uh, I think a really important softball movie, but it's a really important movie about faith and learning and overcoming and, you know, just a lot of different things that are messages that are really important. I think this is a, you should take your whole team. Nowadays. To see it. Yeah. I almost think, hard to find stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Because yeah. in, in a world of crazy comic book characters and featuring all kinds of stuff that we don't want to emulate and we don't want to support. It'd be nice to support something that's really a positive message. And so again, the movie is I can find it. If you can, if it's not in your area, start calling the theaters, uh, start a campaign, get everybody on your team to call the theaters, get it so you can see it. Um, I strongly recommend it. And again, it's not going to win the Academy Award, but there's an awful lot of movies that I've really enjoyed that have changed my life that are really positive to me that aren't going to win the Academy Award. That's not the important thing here for us. It's a softball movie by softball people that needs to be supported, and I think we need to do a good job of getting out there for it. I like the message, Tori. Very cool. All right, so Don, that's going to take us to this week's Action Coach Coaching Tip of the Week. Coach John's going to share with us some ideas he's got about time management and how they apply to building a successful business and building a successful softball team. Today I went to a local minor league baseball game. Have you ever gone to a professional or elite college game and watched the warm-up? Sure, it's impressive to see the athleticism, but if you watch closely, you will see that certain things happen at certain times. Some of this is based upon league requirements, some of it's from the coaching staff, and some by the players. You can call them superstitions or rituals, but either way, they were done because the elite believe it makes you perform at higher and more consistent levels. Having a schedule down to the minute can be one part of how you perform in your business at elite levels. For example, when I watch a game, I see pregame stretching that has a very specific start and end time. The hitting, infield, outfield, warm-up drills 
always with a very specific start and end time. Always the same time, always the same routines. So as a business owner, how can you apply that approach to your business? Here are some ideas. Have a daily start of the day routine for yourself or for your team, such as when you check your overnight messages, make sure you take more than 10 minutes to review, address them, or reprioritize them. Having your beginning of the day staff meetings at specific times of the day, and it doesn't have to be at exactly 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. It could be 8.10, 8.12, whatever you want it to be. Consistent breaks and lunch hours build a rhythm for the team so they know who's going to be where and at what time. When you're having meetings, start them on time and end them on time. If you start late or finish late, it demonstrates to the team that the meeting isn't as important and then with that, the focus on the content begins to diminish. This also works for your calendar. You can do certain events at certain times of the day or certain days of the week or days of the month. Being consistent with your time builds habit and consistent performance, just like the elite athletes. Now, if the results aren't what you want, look at how you spend your time and create a new plan. But the key is to be intentional about your investment of time. I'm John Davis, a business owner and coach with Action Coach. We work with business owners to be elite in their profession. If you want to talk about time management or other priorities in your business, you can reach out to me at johndavis at actioncoach.com. Any business that we generate together will create revenue for fast pitch prep as well. Remember, now is always a great time to get into action. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode number 286. As always, please support our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company, Bidinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter, and Action Coach. If you're in a position where you can become a patron, please go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. We definitely need more people to come on board. The more patrons that we add, the happier we're going to be. We certainly want to see those numbers continue to grow. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs. You can also have access to the YouTube channel and the blog posts. There's a a ton of information there. And as we say every week, if you have suggestions, ideas, comments, and player of the week nominations, make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. For Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.